You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. Hello, you're very welcome to the show tonight. I hope I find you well on this Wednesday evening. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week on Stand Out with myself, Ian O'Connell, is Jason Smith. Jason is an Irish retired sprint runner. He competes in the T13 Disability Sport Classification as he is legally blind with his central vision being affected by Stargardt's disease. As of July 2014, Jason holds the T13 world records in the 100m and 200m events. Jason was appointed member of the Order of the British Empire, also known as an MBE, in 2022 in the New Year Honours for his services to Paralympic Athletics and to Sporting Community in Northern Ireland. You might also have seen Jason regularly on RT on their um on the show Dancing with the Stars as he's competing on there with his um with his dance partner um Karen Burns. So he's doing amazing there and he's showing that just because you have a disability doesn't mean that you can't do other stuff. And um a quote that I always live my life by is the only disability in life is a bad attitude and I'm sure Jason would agree with me on that and he's proving that to everyone. So, a massive well done to Jason, and he's doing everybody proud. Sit back and enjoy the show. Jason, thanks a, a million for coming on today. How's um, how's life with you? Busy, I'm sure. It is very busy at the minute. Um, there's like a lot going on um, between dancing, or should I say learning to dance, and um, yeah, with work too. I work at, at Paralympics Ireland, so... Um, yeah, it feels a bit of a crazy start to the year, you know, so very different from this time last year when I was preparing to compete at the Games, but a lot has changed. A lot has changed. You're learning a different um, side of, of <laughs> this time. Um, do you want to paint a picture for the, the listeners? Um, I'm sure everybody is uh, familiar with your your story and seeing you now on Dancing with the Stars as well. What was your childhood like growing up? Were you um sports mad from a, from a young age? I was uh pretty interested in sport uh from as far back as I remember. So I grew up in Derry. Um loved uh, most sports, all sports, I'd say football, as in soccer would have been my favorite um surprise surprise at all sports i was pretty fast and people struggled to to catch me when i had the ball so i think in in most sports that's a pretty good asset to have um but it wasn't actually until secondary school around the age of 15 uh that i actually started going to athletics and athletics club like i mean i ran sports days and, and things like that as a youngster and often won most of them but it was a school teacher that uh i suppose initially seen some potential encouraged me to to go to an athletics club and um from there was was kind of the the start of my athletics journey. Um, I don't know if you want me to continue on that or you want to Definitely, yeah. Do you think that there, um, I suppose, like you said, when you were 15, do you think, out of curiosity, do you think that there's enough, um, I suppose, openings for athletics in 
in Ireland, like there's so many football teams and rugby and hurling football. Do you think that there's like athletics? Do you think that there's enough openings or that it's kind of brought up enough in schools? I think any of the individual sports are quite it's quite difficult when you compare them to the team sports. Yeah. Um I mean team sports generally with that element of a of a team obviously see can tend to be a bit more enjoyable and have a little bit more fun. Yeah. Where a lot of the individual sports is 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 more so on on you. Um I think athletics I would say it's probably when what again, not that I was around, but years ago people would talk about how athletics was was really a, a big sport and well watched where it feels in in more recent years it's probably um dropped but it's probably a reflection of just significantly more opportunities across all sports um i think if you want to dig a little deeper and we look specifically at para sport or para athletics um i think there is a gap there in opportunities for those with impairments yeah. to get into any type of sport. Um, yes, it's improved, but I think it's got a long way still to go to to open those opportunities up. Definitely, hundred percent. And um, for the listeners, your um visually impairment is targets um disease. Do you wanna just elaborate? What is it? The yeah. central vision that that kind of effects yeah absolutely um yeah you're spot on star guards and the central vision is what's um affected so i was diagnosed with the eye condition around the age of seven or eight and um as you mentioned my my central part of my eye is basically completely blind um and therefore i would use my peripheral vision the outside of my eye um to to see the child stuff is it the outlines it's what is it kind of like i heard you describing is it like kind of like the outside of shapes yeah so i would say i would say most things around it would just be extremely blurry so there are no detail and i'm often making out differences in shapes or objects because of a change of color rather than really seeing the detail so on a percentage of roughly five to ten percent vision, but it's like um middle part blind, but then it's as if somebody takes a really blah bad, blurry picture where you can see colors and changes of colors, but you can't really see the detail of um whatever the specific image is. And um it's the when you were competing in the the Paralympics, um it's the T13 kind of sports classification that you competed in is that kind of mainly kind of visual impairments or is there other kind of disabilities so often again it's obviously i think one of the more complicated pieces when people are watching uh para sport is you often the 100 meters but there's there can be a a letter and a number ahead of it so mine would have been t13 as you mentioned t standing for track if it was s it would be swimming um, and then 13 represents the impairment. So 13 would be 
um, people with that rough 5 to 10% vision range. Um, and as I say, depending on the, the impairment, it might be a T12, for example, would be a, a lower visual impairment. So they may have 1% to 5%. T11 would be completely blind. So it represents yeah, a different impairment. And um, when you were, I suppose, when you were competing, you won two goals in the 2008, would I be right in saying? The summer pair, what, what was that, I suppose? Was that one of your first kind of bigger events that you competed in? Yeah. So I competed at four Paralympic Games, um, Beijing 2008, had won double gold in the 100 and 200, London 2012, double gold. Then I won gold in Rio 2016 and then Tokyo 2020 that was moved to 2021. So basically we have the, the Olympics, Paralympics every four years. And then in between those four-year cycles, you often have a European or a world championships. So over total, at 21 gold medals, I won six of them being at a, at a, at a Paralympic Games. It's kind of like the, I suppose, the soccer, like, a World Cup every four, and then there's the Euros competition. Yeah, yeah. In between, absolutely. Yeah, would yeah. Be kind of familiar, similar to that. It would. Yeah, it would be. Only we would have World Championships in there as well. So yeah, same kind of concept with that bigger competition. I was um. Was there any? I suppose in your family, kind of before you, was it? Uh, athletics or any of that kind of side of sport um not not at a high level like uh, my family would all have been sporty yeah uh, we'd been just generally all naturally kind of relatively good at sport and, and pick sport up quickly but nobody um has been or went on to to do things to do sport at a at a high level no did you have anyone that you looked up to when you were when you were young? Uh, to me, it would have been around football. Um, so it was a well, I'm a Liverpool supporter. Um, so for me, it would have been early days like a Robbie Fowler and then a Steven Gerrard. So for me, it was always growing up, I wanted to uh, play for Liverpool. Um, but I, like, I wasn't really athletics. I didn't watch athletics. Um, it was more so then I, I got into it. Um, so I wouldn't really say I had anybody in athletics I looked up to a lot of people as I've been through my career that I have a lot of respect for and what they did within within the sport within the sport um you were the the first para athlete to compete at an open European championships were you yeah so that was oh that might have been 2010 so for me one of the the things um so you look let's say para-athletes, someone with a visual impairment. Um, we, I think society often looks at what you can't do yeah. Um, rather than looking at the possibilities and what you can do. And for me, one of the things I was always striving to do in sport was how could I kind of shift those perceptions of what was possible? How could I bridge the gap between para-sport and um, let's just call it mainstream sport. Um, and as you mentioned there, Koloff competed at the European Championships, competed at the World Championships. And then in 2012, I just narrowly missed out on the Olympics by uh, four hundredths 
of a second. So for me, it was always about how could I try use sport to kind of break down those those barriers and show people, you know, it doesn't matter in my situation what you can and can't see. Um, it's about trying to overcome that challenge and then still go on to be um, successful in what you do. And I mean, it, the end of it, even in Ireland, my 100 metre time is the third quickest time in history. So it was right there at that kind of uh, top level, regardless of having a visual impairment. Athletics and stuff, like you said, the, the smallest kind of nanoseconds of a, <laughs> a second, like they're the difference between qualifying and not qualifying. How did you, um, or even other, say, like things you didn't qualify for, how do you deal with that when it's so close in such small amounts of time it really is and and there's other times where it works in your favor like tokyo where yeah. i won by one hundredth of a second so it was on the on the right side of it on this time Man. Uh, but yeah like that that's sport isn't it it is very fine margins between first and second or qualifying and not qualifying um for me I think reflecting back, it can be it, sometimes in those moments, it can be very difficult and frustrating. Like, as I mentioned, not making the Olympics because I should have, I was in um, the physical condition to do so. Um, but it's often, and again, maybe it's a, trying to shift our, your mindset, my mindset, any, everybody's mindset is, you know, it's it's often in those challenges and difficult moments that we actually learn and improve and grow rather than when things are going well, it's easy to get complacent and kind of cruise along. So for me, the lesson or huge lesson there was, you know, what what was the the opportunity for me to learn? Um, and some of those lessons I learned then came back to be of benefit in Tokyo, as I talk about, where I then won by one hundredth of a second. So it's for me, it's just trying to it's that is a glass half full or glass half empty. Like what what can I take from this situation? And I think that then allows you to deal with those challenging moments um better. And I think that goes for for anything in life, Jason, doesn't it? Like if you absolutely you get something you it's so important to take a learning curve from everything that you don't accomplish, isn't it? It certainly is. It's 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 an attitude, isn't it? Now it's yeah. Again, it's so easy for us to sit and talk about it. But in the heat of the moment, when things seem to be crashing around you, it can be sometimes hard to to switch into that space. But it's it's being aware of it. And for me, one of the other key pieces when I look back um throughout my career was who are those people around you? So yes, I was that athlete on the track, but there was a team around me as an athlete and you rely on that team, not only to help you physically prepare, but you can't be at the top of your game every day. Your motivation goes up and it goes down and you rely on those people to help you, to shift your perspective um, at different times throughout that period. So it's important, it's been crucial to my success is who those people are around you that you can trust and rely on. And actually, they somewhat raise the standard and raise the bar of what you think and what you expect of yourself. 
And the saying it takes a village is such a, a true saying. When I Absolutely. Was the research on on you, just there, like we were talking about the difference in the seconds, you, I read that you said to win one 10 seconds Paralympic race, you had to work out for approximately 5,000 hours or something along those lines. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, and I think it might have been probably more when when I consider you run a four year cycle. I probably trained about all year, other than two weeks of the year. So what's that? Say fifty weeks of the year, train six days a week. All, but it's again not just what you train, but it's what yeah. you're eating, it's how you're sleeping, it's what you're doing as you're resting and recovering. It basically is a whole way of living your life that everything comes down to this one 10 second race, which is a bit crazy. It feels like at times, and it probably is a bit extreme, but, um, and that's the other side of it. At times people love this idea. You see somebody, let's say me in a situation, you run a 10 second race and you think that looks great. And I would love to do that. But what often people don't see is all the choices there. We're talking about for the four years, um, and the discipline you have to have constantly to be in the position to do that, you know, and that's that's probably where the real kind of magic is in getting yourself to the start line in the position to to really succeed. Absolutely. And before we, we chatted this evening, I always seem whenever I'd see you on interviews, you always came across as the glass half full um, kind of person. But even just talking to you today, it, reflects even more but did you always think of when you were going to a race Jason and obviously like a boxer having that zero on their record never losing a, a fight did you always did you ever think of it like that going in that you didn't want to lose that zero going into a race on your record yeah I would definitely say especially on the second half of my career the I would say one of the drivers was the fear of failing rather than the trying to be successful. So when you got to being successful, then the expectation was like people expected me to win, win gold. So yeah. you could never exceed it. You could only either maintain it or eventually with time, the, the longer you run competing, the more likely it was somebody somewhere was going to beat you. So for me, I think it was definitely that, going into races was that fear of failing and it was my fear of failing rather than what everybody else would have put like it was the pressure i put on myself rather than pressure coming um from anywhere else but that that also like even i'll talk about that lead into tokyo th that for me was one of my most difficult uh years of my career and and it was because of injuries and, and often with that you know, again, you see somebody at the start line in the race, you don't really have an idea of what went on. And, and throughout that time, even though the race went well, there were still doubts in the year leading up. There were still uncertainties, unknowns, times I questioned, you know, was I going to be at the games? Was I going to be even done as a, a as my athletic career just with injuries? Um and that's all the pieces you don't you don't see. And it's very easy to look at that one moment in that 10-second race and think everything's uh, bright and hunky-dory. But often what you find with people is there's a lot more going on 
beneath the surface and there can be a lot more challenges and things um all aren't always as they seem but it's about how you overcome them and try um so somewhat uh embrace the challenge and um nearly feels like trying to beat the challenge absolutely couldn't agree more and um a quote that i ever since i had my accident that i kind of go by is the only disability in life is a, a bad attitude and I, i'm i wanted to ask you obviously like say in my case i'm in a wheelchair and it's more kind of visible but for other disabilities not even just for say i visual impairments but other disabilities that are hidden do you think that sometimes people like they don't see you think yeah. you have a disability do you know when they can't see it i think it's it's certainly um a huge challenge and i would say there's probably a high percent of that wider disability group that probably are somewhat invisible yeah that people can't see um when you see somebody in a wheelchair like yourself it's it feels a little bit easier to kind of look at a situation and feel how it might impact you but nobody can look at me and really understand how it impacts me because you just no idea yeah and what i can and can't see and the reality is i walk past and i just as we talk about it's invisible you don't even notice it no. um, and and it's it's a piece is how do you how do you build awareness um around that i think it it can be quite difficult um it's obviously one of the pieces and maybe we'll we'll get to it is around um dancing with the stars here at at the weekend was was a piece that i really wanted to look at doing was how could we use the camera for what people see to nearly try step into my world and see how things see things the way i see them from your perspective it, yeah and i think it's only that that allows like kind of the the penny to drop for people to realize um you know whoa or how much that that actually can impact people on a daily basis but i think the other thing for me is people with impairments like myself have to be willing and open and confident enough to talk about it yeah because people don't know so if 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 i'm not um able to to talk about it be open about it how can i educate somebody else um and i think that again i don't know about you but for me that was a journey i had to go on through a good early stage of of being diagnosed with an eye condition i wasn't confident in who i was i was trying to hide it and not talk about it and not um show it and I think that's a piece that a lot of people with with impairments go through is that kind of how do I learn to accept the situation I'm in that then I have the confidence in myself to talk about it. Absolutely. And like like you said, bringing awareness to, to it. So it's so important for even like interviews like this for young children that might have the same eye condition that they can hear that they don't have to hide it like that they they can go and um and raise awareness to, to themselves was it the 2012 
when you um you defended your title, was that clocked as the the fastest race or something? That would have been yeah, the world record there was that was the in London twenty twelve. I broke the one hundred to two hundred world record. Yeah. So that would have been no, that would have been my quickest times yeah uh, within Paralympic a Paralympic competition. I actually have run a lot quicker than that, but it, it only counted when I was in a Paralympic event, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah. And um and like we were talking about there, the likes of it just popped into my head there. I remember watching Ellen Keane when she was on the late late there once, and I think it was Ryan Tuberty said, kind of alluded to her as the Olympics, but she kind of brought him back and said Paralympics. Do you think that yeah. when people think of um of that kind of competition, they automatically just think of Olympics? Um. If I'm honest, I feel like I get a wide you get a wide range there. Yeah, it's on people's understanding because we also get people get confused confused between the Paralympics and the Special Olympics. Yeah, which is also completely different um, as well. So for me, we we do still get a bit of. Um, a mix up. I'm, I'm of a honest and a well and point out the Olympics and Paralympics piece. It, it doesn't bother me yeah. as much. Um, and I think the Olympics and Paralympics are so closely tied. Um, but again, I think it's just different people have different preferences. Definitely, definitely. And um, we were talking about Tokyo there a minute before we move on to, to Dancing with the Stars. Tokyo obviously was very kind of the leading up to it was very uncertain and there was kind of say is it going to go is it not going to go what was it like for I suppose for you or even for athletes that you were talking to behind the scenes like the uncertainty yeah I think it depended and depended on who you were or where you were in your preparation for me yeah. the games getting shifted a year was um not ideal and again we go back to it's a four-year cycle so you, you plan where you want to be each step of the of that four-year journey so when we got to march which was supposed to be four or five months out from the games if you were where you needed to be in march then it was a it wasn't ideal then for the whole games to get shifted a year but if you were underprepared or not where you needed to be then it gives you an extra year to get yourself um where you wanted to be so it was very dependent on um where you were as i kind of was alluding to earlier i then as a result of it we went as an athlete again you were you're constantly having physio and massage and you've this team around you and all of a sudden COVID came and I still trained away and, and I went months without any of the support and which resulted in me getting injured, which then caused all this that I talked about, the doubts and the uncertainties and the, the real challenge in year. Um, so it, it really was dependent on the individual. Some it suited more and so, some it didn't. Um, but I mean, that's just like it was is one of those things that's out of control out of anybody's control um and it's you learning how do you adapt and deal with 
the situation. Um, and I think in all situations, even outside of sport, some people adapted to that period better than others. Um, kind of and, to an individual thing. So at the, the kind of end of the day where where you are, obviously all the, the Olympics and competitions that you had competed in, what was it like being there with no no one in the, the crowd? Like yeah, it was it was a very diff- very, very different games. Um Obviously, as we you're talking there, the nobody in the stadium. I think even London 2012, there you'd like 80, 90,000. And part of the games is just there's an incredible atmosphere and buzz. Um and there just clearly wasn't that around this games, even into the the village, um, even the camp beforehand, everything was just very lockdown, not able to go anywhere, constant COVID tests, masks. Um, it was just a very, very different games. Um, but I think the games coming up, Paris is actually, to be fair, is going to be an incredible games. And again, because it's feels like we we nearly missed that whole experience around the games. Um, now that it's close to home, I think just builds to to make Paris what I assume will be an incredible games. And you you mentioned at the the start, Jason, you're kind of working closely with Paralympics Ireland at the moment, are you? Yeah, I took a role in there last year, just when I retired. They created an opportunity for me to come in. Um more so around kind of shaping the direction of the organization through the long term. Um, but I'll but I'll will be in, in Paris. Um Looking forward to being there, but just I find it'll be interesting how I do actually find it from the other side of the fence. Uh, maybe I might enjoy not having that pressure and just you know watching others. Um, and maybe I might be sitting there wishing I was uh, out on the track. Who knows? It'll be it'll be a different one for 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 sure. And like the injuries you picked up, like you said on on the the run up to. To, to Tokyo but even in general as a as an athlete in any any sport like our our health is our wealth and how important is it to to not just watch our like fitness and diet but even down to our sleep hugely important um it's obviously you're probably become more aware of it in sport compared to the average person because all those pieces um have an impact on your ability to train and perform and compete. Um, but for me, it's, I mean, I think society in general is becoming more aware of it. And generally there's that kind of healthier um, piece that people are um, taking on board. But I think it's just such, such a key piece um, in life and to be happier in life is actually to, to look after your body physically and, and mentally. Um, so yeah, I think one of the things I really do love that I was able to be in sport to the level I was is I felt it created a lot of those good habits that I hope to kind of take with me um, throughout the rest of my life. And as you say, your health is your wealth. It is and absolutely. You don't often appreciate it till it's too late and you don't have it and that's and again you'll you'll appreciate that 
with um, uh, being in a, a wheelchair or appreciate that from not being able to see. You take a lot of it for granted until you can't do it. Um, and then it's often, you know, it's it's too late. Um, like you said, the the recovering stuff now nowadays you see every second person on Instagram jumping into a cold plunge and, <laughs> and everything and all that. What was your um what was um obviously even sports Ireland where I see online there are people, Olympians, Paralympians train. How important was recovery like straight after for for the likes of you now? Oh, it's 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 a huge piece. And again, when you think of sport, everybody thinks about the training. So how many hours did you do on the track? How many hours did you do in the gym? But what people often forget and don't think is you've got to recover in a in a sufficient way that allows you to be able to do that training. So if you aren't going to recover, you aren't going to be able to um, do whatever that's required of you. So I think a lot of the focus is always on the training where to me, there's an equal focus should be on the, the recovery. And I think I became even more aware of that as an older athlete, because my body physically couldn't do the same amount of training it could as a 22, 24 year old compared to a 34 year old. And therefore you had to get that balance um, of how much you push, but how much you let your body rest to be then be able to, to step it up again. Absolutely. It's all, it's so important. I want to just touch on dancing with the stars, but the last question is how important is goal setting for to reach our highest potential? Do you, um, do you think that setting big goals is important, but even just small goals leading up to that? Well, I mean, that's exactly what, what I would have done in sport. Um, you know, as I talked about, you you had a four-year cycle and you knew what you wanted to achieve. And then, you know, there was every year in between, which kind of was one was a stepping stone to the other. Um, and even within a month or even within a, a single year, we would have had set down, you know, where I wanted to be each month within that year. Again, back to this, that each step built upon the other that allowed you to get where where you needed to be. And you needed to, to really be at that end of sport. You're, you're, you can't leave things to chance. You've got to be prepared and have a, a pretty good plan in place. Now, plans change. Your goals can change. But you've got to be aware of where you are um, and why you need to be at different places. The... Um, the the irony I find now is that I have retired. So that's in sport, I was so clear on that. Yeah. And now I've stepped away from sport. And I, I I would still say I'm going through a piece of trying to figure out what exactly is I want to achieve in four and five years. I knew it so clearly in sport. And now I'm at a very different phase where I feel like I'm at this point where I'm having to take a step a step at a time and figure out what's what's ahead of me. Um, and hopefully then it gets clear on where I want to go. So I think, you know, for me, those goal pieces are so important, but I think it's also not everybody knows exactly where you, you want to be in four or five years, but you've got to keep stepping forward 
assessing what where you're at and what look at what the next step is, which is still goal setting, just in a in a slightly different way. Like you said, not just in sport, but in in life and in general. Um, dancing with the stars before we we finish up, Jason. That's um obviously huge on on RT at the 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 moment when you were asked to do it was one of the big parts that you wanted to I suppose test yourself and show just because you have a disability that doesn't mean you can't achieve um everything was that was that one of the big reasons yeah it would have been I would say two or three reasons um honestly me as a person personality Dancing with the Stars ain't really my kind of thing, if I'm completely honest. Yeah. Um, I don't have any dancing background. I don't find I'm the most emotional, expressive kind of person, which kind of is what dancing is. Um, so I was, I was honest, I was uh, unsure if I even wanted to. But yeah, my, I have two daughters, uh, Evie and Lottie. They're eight and five, and they love to dance. They were one of the big reasons. Um, being able to allow people to nearly, as I said earlier, step into my world, try to use it as an opportunity to um, build awareness around a visual impairment. And actually, just as you're talking about there, even though I have a visual impairment, I'm still able to embrace it and do as well as others would do. Um, and the third piece for me, was actually to to step out of my comfort zone so back to this i've mentioned earlier this was after practice what i preach is that it's only in sometimes stepping out of your comfort zone and getting uncomfortable that you yourself continue to develop and learn and understand more about yourself and as i said this whole space is the opposite i feel like of me um and this was an opportunity for me to to challenge myself and see if I could adapt to the situation and somewhat embrace it. So, um, yeah, it's it's um, some days I wonder why, and some days after even there someday and being able to kind of show that visual element, um, you know, then in that situation, I'm, I'm glad I, I really jumped on it and kind of tried to seize that opportunity. Your um, your dancing partner Karen, she seems like she's she's um unbelievable. Less you know, like working around. Kind of working around if there's something that isn't as easy for you to do. She, yeah, she, she's she's been great, and and I th- like that's that's the important piece here is obviously you're, there's two people dancing and that that partnership and and that communication and building um, that level of understanding uh, and you know that's that's a key piece of me being able to show some of these pieces is to have someone like Karen who's able to get the best out of the situation um, and really embrace it um, as well. And actually her sister um, is in a wheelchair herself and just come obviously comes from a bit of a, more of a background of, of just understanding and, and actually not treating her sister any different because she's in a wheelchair, just like not treating me any different um, because I can't see, but how do you continue to push um, as well? So I think that combination has uh, really worked well so far, which has been great. 
Next week is is it movie night next week? Movies it is. <laughs> Are you looking forward to that? Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily ever looking forward to any week, you know, because you've got to learn a completely new dance within a week, which just sometimes baffles me how we're able to do it. But it should be fun. Should be fun. Jason, thanks so much for, for coming on now. I know you've a, a hectic um scheduling timetable now these days, so appreciate no problem. you popping on. Thank you for having me. Now, unfortunately, that's always time for tonight. I hope you all enjoyed the show and I appreciate you tuning in as always as you do every Wednesday night or if you're a new listener, thanks for tuning in as well. If you have any suggestions, questions or requests for next week's show, you'll be able to get in contact with me a couple of ways. You can get me through my Instagram, enoconnell321, drop me a message on my Twitter, enoconnell00 or you can send me an email on my email address, ioconnell at radiocarry.ie. I hope you're all having a great week so far. Thanks a million to Jason for coming on tonight and having a chat about his own story. As I've said a couple of times during the, the show and the um and the before we went for every ad break and what I've been saying to Jason as well, he's done amazing over his um over his uh, his career over the last couple of years. It's um it's unbelievable what he's been uh, achieving on the, the world stage in the Paralympic Games. Uh, it's it, it it blows my mind really what he's um doing especially coming from somebody like myself with a disability that I'm in a a wheelchair it gives me hope that I can go on and hopefully represent Ireland in the the Paralympics and some sport in the in the um the future and he's doing amazing on Dancing with the Stars as well thanks a million for tuning in stay tuned in here to Radio Kerry because Brian Priestley is up next with That's Jazz I'll be back at the same time next Wednesday night from 8 to 9 p.m until then stay safe and mind yourself you're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry.